Welcome, I am Leanne Krawczyk. And I'm Robin Long. And together, we are your hosts for the Get the Dirt in Mining, a podcast series brought to you by the Denton's Mining Group. This podcast series covers various topics in the mining sector and aims to provide you with small segments that you can listen to on the go. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There, you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now, over to our podcast topic and speakers. Today's episode, I'm sitting down with Wei Xiao, who will be discussing mining sector trends and developments from China. Wei is a partner in Dentons and works with me in our Vancouver office. Wei is co-lead of Dentons China Services Group and has led, coordinated, and participated in numerous mining-related transactions in Canada involving major Chinese state-owned enterprises and public and private companies. Wei has also advised North American mining companies on their investment and operations in China. Welcome to the podcast, Wei. Thank you, Robin. And uh, indeed, uh, over the last uh, 20, almost 30 years, I've I've been involved in a lot of uh, China-related transactions. Firstly, uh, North American companies investing into China, many in the mining industry, and over the last uh, 10, 15 years, uh, more of uh, outbound Chinese uh, investment uh, to and through Canada. Uh, and also, I'm sitting on, on the board of a major Chinese mining company. So, uh, and, and also uh, sitting in the office in Vancouver, British Columbia, the so-called the gateway to Asia. So all those uh, given sort of a vantage point uh, to observe, to participate, to uh, uh, chat about Chinese uh, mining related matters. Um, we are barely a month into the year of the ox. We said goodbye to the year of the rat uh, just uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, the question is, uh, can we afford uh, for anyone who cares about lunar calendar uh, to be a little bit bullish, uh, particularly, particularly in relation to China mining, uh, I'd like to offer some of uh, my observations. This year, interestingly, interestingly is the uh, 20th anniversary of the so-called the start of the Chinese policy, China going global, China's uh, international investment not started uh, in 2001. And one of the earlier deals was a major unsuccessful bid by a major Chinese mining company of the then largest uh, mining company uh, in Canada. So over the last 20 years, what have we seen, particularly um, after a difficult 2020? Um, my view, of course, is mostly from the Canadian perspective, but in the latter half of my presentation, I'll try to look into the perspective, the mindset of Chinese mining executives. Um, if you look at the Chinese uh, trajectory of mining in particular, uh, after the start of China going global, and then there's uh, the so-called one belt, one road, some call it a Belt and Road Initiative. A lot of uh, things have happened, and Brandon might be able to tell from the African 
vantage point, uh, African, Africa being a recipient continent of a lot of Chinese uh, uh, investment, uh, intermining wheels, we can expect that to continue. Nonetheless, uh, I've uh, taken a quick look at the publication of the Chinese Mining Association uh, for 2020. Uh, when they publicized, when they published the top 10 mining stories in the Chinese mining industry, uh, none of the top 10 relates to major acquisition or major investment of Chinese mining companies in other countries. So that's an interesting uh, thing to watch. Uh, and yet, uh, when you see another list, the 10 major acquisitions successful and failed by the Chinese companies, you do see that, that they have something to show for the year 2020, uh, ranging from uh, lithium to copper and gold, um, done by the usual players. Uh, noticeably, none of the top 10 None of the top 10 deals involved any major Chinese central government controlled SOEs. So um, I'll try to look into the mindset and perspective of major Chinese uh, mining executives to see how they see uh, investing in other countries in the mining industry. But first of all, uh, we'll see what have changed uh, and what have not changed from their perspective? Um, what are the variables? What are the constants? What hasn't changed is China's demand for mining for mineral products. This is because there are structural deficiencies. They always need uh, uranium, copper, a lot of other things, for instance. That has not changed. And what has not changed is, interestingly, limited foreign investment into mining in China for a lot of reasons. Uh, if you recall, back in early, uh, uh, barely 15 years ago, there were some 30 Canadian junior active in the Chinese mining scene, mostly doing exploration. But almost none of them has continued. There's no success uh, to show for it. And what has not changed is that the Chinese mining market is still uh, tightly regulated and it is still dominated by the major SOEs. But what has changed um, over the last uh, 15, 20 years through trial and error, um, because of the other uniquely Chinese reasons, we've seen that, that there's a higher degree of deal sophistication. There's better intelligence uh, for those mining companies. Uh, and of course, uh, the mining executives have upgraded, have new skill set. And then there's no, and there's new focus on ESC uh, issues. Um, interestingly, uh, up until 2015, when you talk with any major Chinese mining executives, they were quite bullish. They were quite aggressive. You know, they can be overly confident. And you can tell from the way they spoke, and oftentimes they tell, it, tell you directly that money is not an issue. You just need good assets. 
that can-do spirit may or may not be here uh, today uh, from those major mining detectives. And what further has changed is China's perception about the degree of being welcomed or the degree of risks that many may experience in mining other countries. Certainly they've uh, been watching about uh, the uh, National Security Review of Shandong Gold, its failed acquisition of PMAC. They're also watching closely how the companies are traded in Australia and the other countries. And there's open discussion uh, in the Chinese mining industry about the impact of Titan, National Security Review, or concerns from that perspective in the, in the hosting country. And certainly the pandemic uh, in China, even though there was a, a high degree and probably better control, it has slowed down uh, both the investment and the activities in the mining industry. And, and lastly, uh, from their perspective, um, there's a need to see more success stories. If you look at uh, the amount of Chinese uh, investment into Canada and elsewhere, uh, you'll see that uh, there's very limited success stories. At the very height of Chinese investment in mining, uh, we've seen almost all the provinces and territories in Canada uh, with some uh, Chinese investment uh, from the uh, money in Newfoundland uh, to Lead and Ling uh, in the UK. Now they are all very quiet, probably with the exception of the nickel production in Northern Quebec. Uh, none others are generating uh, any positive uh, cash flow or revenues. So that's the uh, reality uh, they are facing. Um, the major players uh, in China, uh, from the size, from the monetary, value from the acquisition price point of view remain to be major SEEs. But as I said, they are absent uh, from the top 10 list for the year 2020. Um, they have faded uh, in the push go global. Uh, they haven't yet, many of them, to deal with the uh, post-acquisition issues, uh, management, compliance, all, all kinds of ESC issues uh, in a location where they have invested. And the increased scrutiny by the government of the performance of major SEEs certainly is not an incentive uh, for those sectors to act aggressively. Um, what you see now, uh, the more aggressive ones oftentimes are those not headquartered in Beijing, oftentimes with access to capital market in China, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, or elsewhere. 
Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, private companies uh, doing smaller deals, but in a much more aggressive way, partly because uh, they have home offices in other countries. They have very unique access to capital markets. Therefore, they can do the deal uh, in a creative way. And talking about uh, China's uh, one belt, one road, uh, that was the headline for the last uh, five years also. But then again, uh, in the year 2020, it seems to be a little bit muted, a little bit quiet. Uh, we do now know what will happen in 2021, but certainly uh, this initiative has encountered its own challenges. And a lot of the players uh, who have been active, uh, aggressive are uh, doing the reality check. Um, many of the projects with billions of dollars of investment, mining included, uh, have not seen any returns yet. And it's, it's a question when um, at all, uh, you can also, you'll see the kind of returns that their origin, original projection uh, says. So um, in the face of all this, we have a Chinese mining law that was uh, uh, set uh, in 1996 uh, being revamped. We do not yet know whether 2020 would see the completion of that uh, revision and the update of the mine law, mining law. But hopefully some of the issues that mining executives are concerned about will be reflected uh, in that mining law. That would include uh, more emphasis on ESG issues. That would also include hopefully the uh, uh, so-called priority right issues, meaning whether the flora would have the uh, super, super priority uh, to secure its mining permit. We also know whether there'll be uh, major changes in China's resource-related taxes and obligations. But in general, uh, I think we'll see more, uh, more relaxed relaxation of the new mining law because China needs it. So this is my uh, quick uh, summary of the observations of China mining and China going global in the mining space. Thanks, Wally. Yeah, thanks, Wei. I did have a question. So it appears that the number of international mining acquisitions by Chinese state-run enterprises has slowed in recent years. So do you anticipate any changes to this trend in 2021? If you follow uh, the recent talks of the major uh, mining executives, I think there, there is a reason to have a bit of a guarded optimism uh, if you balance it out with your concerns about how uh, the perceptions in the hosting countries uh, may change and whether that will impact the appetite in the hosting countries uh, for Chinese investment. But I, I, I would think that uh, after the law of 2020, Major SOEs, I think, once they have the, uh, the yellow light, if not, if not a green light, uh, I think it's time for them to make some move. If one or two of them major make a breakthrough, then there's a reason to expect that smaller players 
provincial SOEs may follow. And those top four or five aggressive Chinese mining companies, uh, which have made uh, major accusations uh, in 2020 and before, regardless of the pandemic and the change geopolitical things in other countries. Um, I think we have reason uh, to be a little bit bullish about Chinese uh, uh, moves uh, in the year. Yeah, thank you, Wei. Denton's is a global law firm that provides services to clients worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode isn't designed to provide legal or other advice and you shouldn't take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Our speakers on this podcast or any other professionals in our group would be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other related topics. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes.